it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Actually, I did rather well myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate good at any hospital for a lobotomy. (laughs) Rather thoughtful. Now... Now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to (laughs) sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps, in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. Arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, chromium, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> there's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and lithium and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, tenesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arcocryptonium, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the last week of the Tom Sumner program. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, come Friday uh, this week, I'm suspending production of the Tom Sumner program indefinitely, effective, uh, as I mentioned, this Friday, September 2nd, 2022. And um, 
probably do something fun. I'm thinking about opening the phone lines up for Friday, but but we'll we'll see. You know what uh, what happens. Um, several reasons. Uh, I, I think less people are listening now than used to, and I'm sure that you know at least some of that is my fault. And uh, I think the same could be said about some of the difficulty raising money. Um, but for 15 years, I've tried to set an example of how information should be explored, respected, and shared in a civilized way. And yet, public conversation throughout the country is becoming meaner and less informed. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm going to take uh, a break. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. I've had several suggestions, but the mics don't fit. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm kidding. Um so far, the suggestions have included uh, running for an elected office, writing a book, or binge-watching the A-Team. For now, I'm leaning toward the A-Team, but, but we'll see. I'm, I'm open to suggestions, but I am going to take a break for a little while. So Friday will be the last day. I'm not sure if people would call in, but it would be fun to open the phone lines up. I'm, I'm going to kick that around and, and see what I think about But there are some... Uh, some cool shows coming up this week, including today's show, which is a pretty interesting one. Um, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about Zarathustra, um, the sacred Gathas of Zarathustra, and the old Avestan canon is a book by um, Pablo Vasquez who will join me by phone during the third half of our three-hour tour, and we'll find out what that's all about. Um, coming up in the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with... Um, this is a pretty interesting conversation with a professor of zoology, or sociology rather, at uh, California State Polytechnic University in Pomona. Um, Anthony Ocampo is... Uh, the author of a book called Brown and Gay in L.A., The Lives of Immigrant Sons. And uh, that's a pretty interesting conversation that's coming up in the middle of our three-hour tour. But we're going to start out on uh, a science kick, kind of. Um, Nat Geo Kids has a new book out that um, is a How Things Work look at how things don't work called breakdown and it's written by award-winning science journalist Mara Grunbaum and she's going to join me by phone coming up in about a minute and 20 seconds and uh, I, I've really enjoyed talking with the people from Nat Geo and Nat Geo kids and uh, this conversation is certainly no exception um, what are some of the other things we have coming up? Uh, oh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about uh, the FIM and some new things going on there, some post-pandemic productions, we'll say. And uh, Mark Everson is going to join us uh, on Wednesday for our final armchair politics. I hope you'll join us for that, to be sure. And... Uh, and then, you know, the last two days, I'm not sure exactly uh, what all we're going to do. Like I say, I 
kind of like the idea of open the phone lines up, but I'm just not sure that it would be as uh, interesting as I like to think it would be. In any event, um, we are going to pause for just a moment, and when we come back, I'll be talking with uh, award-winning science writer um, Mara Grunbaum, up next. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My my guest this hour is um, now. I want to get this. I want to get this right. I don't want to just say she's the author of this book. She is a. Um, oh, where did I? I know where. Maybe where I saw it was it on the book itself? Nope. Well, I I wanted to say. Well, I'm going to say that she is an award-winning science journalist and the author of a new book from Nat Geo Kids called Breakdown, How Things How Things Work, which is kind of a division of Nat Geo Kids. Um, it's, it's a how things work look at how things don't work. Let's put it that way. Anyway, I'm joined uh, by phone by Mara Grunbaum. And Mara, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I don't know if I've uh, stumbled or fumbled on an intro that bad in uh, in a while, but um, I'm glad to have <laughs> you here. And, and Well, you know, this book is all about making mistakes and learning from them, so it's, it's kind of appropriate. Is this the um, the learner's guide on uh, how to reverse engineer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> no, what what is what is the idea? What is the benefit? Because I, for some reason, I I seem to have the problem of taking things apart and then not being able to figure out how to put them back together again. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us experience that. Um, so, I mean, the idea of the book is to learn about the ways that things come apart and then fall apart and break down and decompose, um, sometimes intentionally because we have decided to take them apart uh, as humans, sometimes accidentally because uh, we built them wrong, um, sometimes just naturally because natural disasters happen, uh, things decompose, things rust. Um, and the idea is to, to look at how that happens, but also what we can learn from it to, to do better next time. So, you know, I think we've all taken something apart and realized, oh, no, I don't know how to put it back together. Um, but maybe someone else knows how to put it back together or can help you figure out how to put it back together. And even if you can't, you know, you learn something from that. You learn, oh, maybe I won't take one of these apart next time, or at least now I know how it works. So when I have another one, I can I can take better care of it, um, and and that's kind of a process that happens on on a lot of different levels, from from the very small uh, you know household objects and whatnot to engineering entire buildings. There was a um, when I first started doing my radio show, it was at a uh, an engineering college, and there was a okay. poster that was hanging up near the radio station that said something to the effect that um you know if an engineer takes something apart and puts it back together there'd be a lot of parts left over <laughs> yeah 
yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you realize they weren't really all necessary in the first place. Yeah, they fr- it, it was phrased better than I just did, but it was a funny idea. And, um, and, and of course, uh, there was always Tim Allen, who's from this part of the country, from Michigan. And um, he... Sure. he uh, uh, used to say that you know when he whenever he put something together, there was a lot of really important looking stuff left over. <laughs> um, but is there a guide or a technique to taking something apart and reassembling it? Are there some notes you can take, um, some some process you can use? <laughs> and, and and I just ran into this yeah. recently where I was trying to put something back together upside down. And I fiddled with this thing mm. for a half an hour. And then I flipped it over and tried to put it together the other way. And it just snapped right together. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I mean, it sounds like you, you were kind of doing the process, right? Like there is, I, I'm not an engineer. Um, I just talk to them and, and ask them all their secrets. But, you know, there is kind of an engineering process that involves um, iteration and, you know, coming up with a plan, trying it, seeing if it works, analyzing it, going back and changing it, trying it again. Um, so, you know, sometimes putting it together upside down and realizing that's wrong is, is just part of the process. And I think we can, we can all sometimes get a little down on ourselves if, if we don't get things right the first time. But, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know until you try it and, and then you figure out what's wrong and you move on. What, what can be learned from taking things apart? Um, is it just simply a, a, a way of learning how something is made for the purpose of, of um, making another one? Like um, re- like I mean, reverse engineering? Right. Uh, you know, that, that can certainly be one thing. Um, one of the things, a big thing that the book focuses on is, you know, not, not just uh, taking something apart to find out how it works, but uh, after something goes wrong, something breaks when we didn't think it was going to, uh, a building falls down in an earthquake, you know, um, what can, what can we learn from, from the pieces of that? Um, and, and earthquakes are actually a really great example where obviously earthquakes can be very destructive and, and obviously nobody wants a building to fall down in, in an earthquake. Um, but some of the most destructive earthquakes have also given us, um, some of the best information about, how the ground behaves during an earthquake, how buildings respond to how the ground behaves during an earthquake, um, you know, what kind of structures can withstand different kinds of earthquakes. Um, and, and with every earthquake, scientists and engineers learn a lot about how we can uh, change and rebuild things to be better prepared for the next earthquake. Um, so, you know, no one is out there trying to build a better earthquake <laughs> or, or, you know, build something that's going to, to come apart in an earthquake. Um, but, but we can sort of learn from the, from the destruction that does happen um, and uh, improve things from there. More with science writer Mara Grunbaum straight in. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with science writer Mara Grunbaum straight ahead. I have to ask, uh, there's, uh, you know, I have notes that are that are given to me ahead of interviews like this, and there's there's something in my notes that makes absolutely no sense to me, and hopefully you can explain why it's in my notes. <laughs> The great, the great molasses flood of 1919. <laughs> that's all I've got. I yeah. I don't know what that's, it is, that's where so it weird happened. That's a weird one, isn't it? Are, are <laughs> well, you... that was my experience finding out about this was, was similar. I was visiting Boston with a friend, and, and we walked by and saw one of those historical plaques, and it said something about the great molasses flood, and we were like, excuse Excuse me, the what? <laughs> um, so I, I did some reading about it then and did a lot more for this book. Um, but this was an incident that happened in Boston in 1919. Um, and it and it sounds pretty comical, like who's ever heard of a molasses flood? Uh, it was actually a, a pretty serious incident. But uh, what happened was that um, a company that imported molasses for sweetening food and, and beverage and whatnot um, was storing a lot of it uh, upwards of 12,000 tons, 2 million gallons um, in this big uh, elevated tank. Um, And they had built the tank themselves. They didn't bother consulting with an engineer or anything and filled it up with molasses and seemed fine. Um, And then there was a particularly warm day. And as you probably know, uh, fluid likes to expand as it heats up. Um, and it was also kind of, it was in there for a while, so it was kind of fermenting and releasing these gases that put more pressure on the tank. Um, and the tank started failing. The rivets started popping out. Molasses started leaking out of the, the seams between the, the metal girders. Um, and eventually it, it just couldn't take it, and the tank broke open. And all this molasses poured out, and, and it created kind of a, a tidal wave that leveled a couple of city blocks, basically. Um, A lot of people were injured. A lot of things were broken. um, A few people actually died. And um, it it caused a lot of of chaos. Um, And that was, you know, shocking and and, uh, horrible at the time and also led to a lot of analysis after the fact about, okay, what went wrong? How should they have built this tank differently? Um, they should have welded it together. They shouldn't have used these cheap metal rivets. Um, they shouldn't have put a door in the bottom of the tank, which is where the fluid pressure was the greatest. Um, and, and it also led to some regulations being made about, you know, you need to get an engineer, a licensed engineer, to sign off on your designs before you build something like this. And, and you need to have somebody double-check your calculations. Um, and, and there needs to be a process here. Um, to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. I, I notice that there's uh, something in here about bike helmets, and every time I, I'm, I see a bike helmet or I'm reminded of bike helmets, I remember my, my younger daughter when she was, oh, single-digit age, and she got her first pair of roller blades, and her mom, who was a safety nut, had her in a helmet and elbow pads and knee pads, and she goes out and starts to walk down our front steps with her rollerblades on, slips, falls, lands right on her behind, and she looks up and said, Mom, you forgot to get me a butt pad. <laughs> 
And I think of that yeah, every well, time. She learned something, right? I, yeah, I think of that every time I, I have any any time that bike helmets pop up. Um, I, I, I think of that event. But the purpose of, of this book is is to lay out for young readers, primarily, what, middle graders? Yeah, yeah, I would say like upper elementary, early middle school. Is is to give them an idea of how when something breaks, it's an opportunity to learn how to build it better so that whatever caused the break can't do it again. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, and and it, it's an interesting approach and an interesting uh, way to do it. Um, <clears throat> what about explosions and implosions? I, I'm just going to read from the the cover of the book. It it's Nat Geo uh, National Geographic Kids breakdown: explosions, implosions, crashes, crunches, cracks, and more. A how things work look at how things don't. Um, explosions and implosions. Um, are, what do we learn from them? Are 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 we looking at things that are intentionally set to blow up, like like building uh, uh, demolition, um, or are we looking at yeah, things that yeah. accidentally blow up? <laughs> um, somewhat both. There, there is a reference in the book to uh, a whale that uh, died and washed up in Oregon and was left there for too long. Um, and, uh, well, they tried to blow it up on purpose, I guess, but it didn't quite go right. And... Uh, <laughs> Caused, caused a lot of chaos. Um, so that's a good story. But yes, mostly, uh, mostly at least in the context of this book, when we talk about explosions and implosions, we're talking about uh, things that are done on purpose, um, either to entertain us, like in the case of fireworks, which are basically a series of explosions that we make happen in a particular way, in particular um, with particular materials, so that we get these colors and shapes that we like. Um, or for kind of more practical purposes, like um, if there is a building that is maybe old and needs to be replaced and needs to be taken down but it's you know in the middle of all these other buildings and it would take too long to take it apart piece by piece so that's when you get these kind of controlled demolitions where i'm sure we've all watched the youtube videos where uh you know some explosives go off and then the building uh falls into its own footprint and doesn't damage the stuff around it um and and that's pretty amazing and the explosion itself might happen within you know 30 seconds but that takes a lot, a lot, a lot of planning to make sure that it goes off in the right way. And so there are these uh, very, very highly trained experts, uh, pretty few of them in the world, uh, who do this kind of demolition. And they have learned uh, both from previous demolitions and, you know, other things that have collapsed unintentionally um, about what, what forces are in play and, and how different materials behave. And because of all that knowledge, they're able to plan it out really carefully so that, um, you know, they, they know exactly which way the building is going to fall and which parts are going to fall and how, and they can connect them to each other and time the explosions just right. So you get this relatively neat uh, collapse. And that's, that's just very cool to me. That is cool. I, I'm fascinated. Um, and you mentioned it, um, 
fireworks that we see on the 4th of July, I, to me, how they, how they manage to pack these charges in such a way that they blow up and paint a flag in the sky. That is just yeah. amazing to me, and I, I it's, wonder. It's pretty cool, right? Is it the same skill to to pack those things as it is to place explosives in, in a building and cause it to fall down a certain way? Sure. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure it's not exactly the same. I, I can't. Not being an expert at either, I, I can't say, but but there are a lot of similar things involved, right? You, you need to know sort of what you're putting in there, um, how big an explosion is it going to make. Um, there are fuses involved, right? These, these fuses that, you know, kind of create a timer for you as um, a spark burns down the fuse, and then when it reaches something, it's going to make it explode. That's definitely involved in, in demolition and in fireworks as well. Um, I don't know if there's anyone who, who does both. Maybe there is. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it is, it is cool that kind of a lot of the same uh, forces and, and processes and, um, I don't know, ways of thinking are, are involved in such, such different things. Yeah, I, I would imagine that, that people who do building demons, uh, demolitions with explosives specialize in that. And the same would be true yeah. about people yeah. who do, do fireworks. They specialize in that. But I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the idea that you can get explosions to behave a certain way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's neat. And I mean, part of the reason we can do that is that you know, explosions that we that didn't behave and that we didn't want to happen. Um, for better or worse, occur a lot, um, and if we study those, we can we can learn from them and, and harness that destructive power to do things that we want. Now, what about um, accidental explosions? Um, do, do you talk about that in the book? It sounds like maybe you just kind of pushed by that a little bit. <laughs> um, we do talk about it a little, yeah. I mean, since for kids, we don't want to get into anything uh, too too dark. Um, but uh, we don't want them to yeah, know that that furnace some, um, in the basement that they're always afraid of <laughs> could blow up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But but we do talk about um, you know I, uh, I profile a forensic engineer, um, and he's someone who goes you know when things do accidentally explode or burn down or you know malfunction in in dramatic and. Uh, consequential ways uh he goes back and studies you know how exactly did they burn what happened what you know was it a problem with the electrical wiring was it a problem with you know something else um and and you know i don't think that's always super fun for him right like it, it can get a little dark um but he does that and, and people in his career do that so that we as a society can figure out what happened and can make things work better and not have that kind of, those kinds of explosions or fires um, as much. And so I, I found myself really grateful for the people who do that kind of work and who are willing to, you know, look at the aftermath of um, an explosion like that or a natural disaster or whatever else and, and see what we can take from that to uh, help people from suffering the same thing again. 
Well, I notice I'm I'm thumbing through the book right now, and I, and I notice there's a, a section on uh, avalanches, and and it talks about the snow avalanches and so on. But I was thinking about some of the uh, landslides and some of the flooding that that happens in uh, in California, and I lived out there for a short period of time, and I was really kind of fascinating to me to learn that the fires out there contribute to those landslides by burning up the brush and the trees that that hold the water back and hold the ground in place. Sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, And, and, you know, that's a great example of, of one of those things that we can't control per se. We can't, um, stop natural forces from happening. Um, but we can figure out which parts of it we do have control over and we can kind of look for patterns and try to identify, okay, when does this happen? Can we predict it happening? Can we avoid building houses where it might happen? Can we make a warning system? Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's one of those, (laughs) one of those things, Mara, that every time I see, uh, you know, video of, one of those, you know, typically we see them in California, um, but I'm sure it happens in other places that, that have elevations. and. Um, sure. Yeah, we've, we've had some pretty serious ones up in where I am in Washington. Yeah. Well, we see these houses just sliding down the hill, and I'm thinking, why do people build houses on stilts on the side of a hill to begin with? It doesn't seem like, seems like you would look for, you know, flat ground to build on. Right. Yeah. And I mean, some, you know, sometimes it probably is ignorance or or hubris. Um, Sometimes it's that we don't always know how things can go wrong until they do. And, you know, once they do, sometimes it takes some time to to adjust for that. Um, Well, it's... um, Like like everything that Nat Geo does, the the photographs and the layouts in this book are just phenomenal. Um, when you were writing this book, how did did you work with layout people and and uh, photographers, the people that that dig through the Nat Geo archives or go out and shoot pictures for things that you need uh, specifically for something. Um, Did you get a chance to work with those people? Because I would think that'd be fascinating. Yeah, uh, to some extent. It it mostly went um, through my editors, but it was definitely a process of, you know, as as we were planning out the book, we were trying to think about what it would look like visually, um, you know, what kind of diagrams we could do, what kind of photos we could do. Um, and then I, as I wrote and researched the text, if I found examples that I thought were really interesting, I would try to kind of describe that. Um, and then I sent it off and then my editors worked with these amazing, uh, illustrators and, and photo researchers. And then there were a few rounds of looking at layouts. Um, and I, I did get to see some early versions of those and, and, you know, give, give some feedback from my perspective, um, but it's always really fun to see it actually get. I, I tend to be, despite being a writer professionally, I'm, I'm a pretty visual person too, so so it's always cool to see it develop into sort of from, from what's in my imagination um, into something that all these 
amazing designers uh, have made really, really fun and, and interesting. How was the decision made on, on what things to include? You know, what things break and, and how did that, that list of things to include come together? Yeah, so that was that was definitely an iterative process as well, and, and involved a lot of brainstorming with my editors. Um, we started with kind of what the what the general sections would be, like okay, let's have one about historical engineering problems, let's have one about intentional destruction, let's have one about nature, let's have one about sort of household objects, um, and then from there we started filling in, okay, what what could go in each one, and you know some of them had more more obvious examples than others, um, at least to me, but uh, between me and, and a couple of uh, pretty smart editors, we we managed to, to find things to, to fill them all out. And, and, you know, there were a few things that, like, we thought maybe this would be interesting, but when I started to research, it turned out there either wasn't a lot of information out there or, or it didn't really fit well with, with what we were trying to do, so, so we made some swaps. Um, but, you know, that, that was also a process of, kind of trying and, and seeing what worked and, and then going back and throwing out the things that didn't work. And uh, um, it, it took some collaboration for sure. I, I had a car for a while that used to break down all the time. And my, my other daughter, the, the older one of the two, um, broke down. I was taking her to school one day and uh, she, she looked at me and she said, Dad, I think you need to take this to the chiropractor. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, what about cars, and and in particular lemons? Um, well, I mean the the car industry is a great example of, of somewhere where a lot of engineering progress has taken place. Um, you know, there are certainly uh, models models of car that. Uh, People thought were designed well, and it turned out they weren't because they uh, caught on fire all the time or <laughs> whatever. Um, but and you know the, the industry as a whole has learned from that, um, and and the way cars are designed now is actually really interesting because you know if you if you uh, I don't know if you've ever watched like an archive video of like crash tests of super old cars, um, you, you'll see a crash and then the car will be completely intact, and you think, well, that's great. Um, but it's actually not so great because if the car stays intact, the person inside the car keeps moving. Um, and, and those forces can be really hard on, on the human body. Um, and so the way that cars have come to be designed now is that they actually have these sections that are designed to, um, crumple and, and break and absorb some of that impact before it reaches the passenger. Um, and sort of building in that intentional self-destruction of, of pieces of the car um, has helped protect people and, and make uh, certain types of accidents at least much more survivable than they used to be. So, so that's pretty cool. Mara, how long does it take to put a project like this together with all the different people and departments that, that weigh in and, and contribute yeah, so I started working on this in uh, mid-2019. Um, wow. Nat Geo had already been thinking about it and planning it for a while, but I started doing the writing in mid-2019, um, finished that up in early 2020, um, <laughs> and then the you know 
designer. Yeah, and then a couple couple other things happen. Every year. time somebody says uh, early 2020, I, I think, oh, and then everything ground right, to a thought, halt. This is it. I can relax for the rest of the year. It's fine. Um, and then, and then, yeah, you know, editing, designing, packaging, printing, um, and here we are, three years later, and it's out. So, well, what's next for you, Mara? That's a great question. Um, I'm working on a few different things. I'm uh, working on another book for Nat Geo Kids uh, about cats. Uh, so that's a, another, frankly, force of destruction sometimes. About um, what? <laughs> but I find them really interesting. About uh, cats. Oh, cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, yeah, various, various other projects. I'm a, I'm a freelancer, so I tend to bounce around a lot and, and work on what interests me at the moment, if I can manage it. So, well, I, I always enjoy talking with people who work with uh, National Geographic and Nat Geo Kids, and and this is certainly no exception. The time has flown by, but I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Um, I do. I need to update it, including to put this book on there. But uh, my website is com. Well, Mara, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for spending this time with me and the listeners. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me and uh, talking about the book. All right. Take care. Again, that was award-winning uh, science writer Mara Grunbaum, and she's been working with Nat Geo Kids on a number of different projects, including this latest book, which is called Breakdown. Let me get the rest of uh, what the title says here. Breakdown, Explosions, Implosions, Crashes, Crunches, Cracks, and More. A How Things Work Look at How Things Don't. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs>
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a fellow by the name of Noah, built an ark. Everybody knows he built an ark. He said, what did Noah do? He said, well, he built an ark. But very few people know about the conversation that went on between the Lord and Noah. You see, Noah was in his rec room sawing away. He was making a few things for the home there. He's a good carpenter. Vuba, 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 vuba. Noah. Somebody call? Vuba, vuba, vuba. Noah. Who is that? It's the Lord, Noah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Where are you? What do you want? I've been good. I want you to build an ark. Right. What's an ark? Get some wood, build it 300 cubits by 80 cubits by 40 cubits. Right. What's a cubit? Let's see, a cubit. I used to know what a cubit was. Uh, well, don't worry about that, Noah. When you get that done, go out into the world, collect all of the animals in the world by twos, male and female, and put them into the ark. Right. Who is this really? (laughs) What's going on? How come you want me to do all these weird things? I'm going to destroy the world. Right. Am I on candid camera? How you gonna do it? Gonna make it rain for a thousand days and drown them right out. Right. Listen, do this, you'll save water. Let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. Right. I'm just wondering, what would be the effect of an ark 
on the average neighbor. Now, here's a guy going to work seven o'clock in the morning, Noah's next door neighbor, and he sees the ark. Hey, yo up there, what do you want? What is this? It's an ark. Uh-huh. You want to get it out of my driveway? I got to get to work. Listen, what's this thing for anyway? I can't tell you. Ha 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 ha. Well, I mean, can't you give me a little hint? You want a hint? Yes, please. How long can you tread water? Of course, Noah had, had a heck of a job, really. He, he had to go out and collect all of the animals in the world by twos, two mosquitoes, male or female. And uh, he had to keep telling the rabbits, only two, only two, only two. We find Noah pulling up the last two animals, two hippos, and he's really in a hurry to get them up because he's afraid that the Lord's going to call him and ask him to do something else, and his nerves are shot. This is one heck of a job for a man 600 years old. So we find him pulling up the last two hippos, and of course the Lord does call him there. Come on, fat hippos, hurry up. Come on, will you please? Noah. What? What do you want? Gotta take one of those hippos out and bring in another one. What for? Because you got two males down there and you need to bring in a female. I'm not bringing nothing in. You change one of them. <laughs> Come on, you know I don't work like that. Hey, well, I'm sick and tired. Of this. I've had enough of this stuff. I've been working all day, working on for days and days. I'm sick and tired of this. Noah? Yeah? How long can you tread water? <laughs>
Okay, Lord, me and you, right? Because I knew all the time. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. has something its Rotary Club can boast of Some product that the state produces the most of Rhode Island is little but oh my It has a product anyone would buy Beaches come from Georgia And lobsters come from Maine The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky Ain't the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue And you, you come from Rhode Island And little old Rhode Island is famous for you Cotton comes from Louisiana Gophers from Montana And spuds from Idaho They plow land in the cowland of Missouri Where most beef meant for roast beef Seems to grow Grand canyons come from Colorado Gold comes from Nevada Divorces also do
It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.